Those kiddos did good, didn't they? Now you can hear me. <laughs> the scripture for today is Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. There's nothing new in this story. It's the same story, but it's a story I believe in, and I think it's a story that we all need to keep in mind, not just at Christmas time, but of course, all the time, year round. We are involved in our world Christmas offering, Lottie Moon. The Lottie Moon offering help our missionaries across the entire world be able to do things that they would otherwise not be able to do. Some of those things might be a medical clinic, maybe a Bible school, maybe a time to take care of the missionary kids on the field. It may be feeding people. It may be an evangelistic ministry of some kind. It may be providing our missionaries with the tools they need to share the good news and disciple people. We're also giving to Elizabeth's Voice ministry in Uganda. This money that you will give this year will help send kids to school. I believe I heard the number. 101 kids are getting to go to school that otherwise would not be able to. One graduated from the university there in, in Jinja this past semester. Two others are beginning university training. And so that is going to continue. And so kids are getting the education they need to be able to, do, to survive and navigate, which is a difficult spot, difficult place in the world. It also helped provide other things that will help the spread of the gospel and to help more people along the way. We're also giving to Zona Zagura in Peru. Uh, you may have heard on the news this past week that there's a coup going on in the government and the Congress, I think, from what I understand, the president tried to disband the Congress and so there's a great upheaval going on in Peru and I saw that 300 people were foreigners, travelers, Americans and other people from around the world have been kind of stuck in Mucho Picchu, Mucho Picchu, I don't have to say that. That may not be the right way to do that. But that old thing you go up there and look at, but they're, um, they're stranded and Zona Zagira feeds people, have an orphanage, a medical clinic. They share the gospel in Cusco in the surrounding areas. They've got house churches all in that area, and, and they're the ones sharing the gospel there in Peru, and it's there in Cusco, and it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And then, of course, we have the ministry that we're closely, we're, we're part of. We, we are, have been doing ministry in Cambodia for many years now, and this money will be used to continue uh, to support Kyle and Amy Y, who are on the ground there. We were able to purchase them a pickup truck that has four-wheel drive this past spring or fall. And they are able to go places that previously they weren't able to go because of the lack of the transportation they're taking there. And they went to a village this week and 46 people came to Christ. Isn't that something? 46 people. So I was doing some math this morning. If you gave $46, that's $1 or so for that one village. That'd be awesome. If you were to give 
$460 towards it, that's $10 for one of those souls. And if you were able to give $4,600 to our World Christmas Offering, that's $100 per soul. And I was thinking, what price can you put on a soul? Well, you can't. And so that is a useless way of looking at that. But that's what I thought about. You know, what does it cost? What does it cost? And uh, Jesus gave his life so that uh, today in 2022, Kyle Namie could be in Cambodia sharing the good news with people, the story of Jesus, and people are going to be saved. So, you know, we have an offer today, and we need to give. We need to give sacrificially. We need to give willingly. We need to give with a cheerful heart. And, and we need to blow the top off of our Christmas offering this year, okay? So however you reason with the Lord about that, if you would, if you would just say, Lord, what do I give this year? How much can I give? How much is left? And, and just so that the ministry of sharing the gospel can still take place in these four areas that the Holy Spirit is leading us to be involved with. All right, Luke chapter 1. Let's read the story here. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name and you shall call his name, and you shall call his name Jesus. And you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And we're seeing that today. Of his kingdom there is no end. His kingdom will live on for all of eternity. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, we'll talk about that word in a few minutes. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
Behold, she said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The essence of Christmas is nothing is impossible with God. It's a difficult story. For many, it's a far-fetched story. For many people, they try to reason this away. They try to rationalize this. They, they, they talk about it's a feel-good story, perhaps, and then you get to all the genocide with Herod and the, and the baby boys, and then that drops. And, and, and they take a look at this, and they just, the virgin birth, the Holy Spirit will come upon her. The virgin will give birth to a child. You shall call his name Jesus and he will be great for all time, for all of eternity, and they just can't quite go there. But Mary could, and Mary did. And that's what I want us to think about here today. Let's look at some of the things that perhaps we don't often talk about in the lessons of Mary for us today. First of all, in verse 26, it says in the sixth month. This is the sixth month of the, 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 the um, Elizabeth carrying John the Baptist. It was in her sixth month. And it was in her sixth month that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to Nazareth to, Nazareth to talk with her. In the sixth month, that's an interesting phrase. That timing there is important for us to take a look at. And, and an application for us today is this. In the sixth month means that God's clock to fulfill his plan, his plan of redemption, his plan of fulfilling the prophecy, his plan of introducing the Son of God to the world was already in motion. And Mary, although a central figure in the story, no question about that, an important character in the story, a vital role she plays, nevertheless, she is just part of the plan of God. His plan was already in motion. It was already in place. God's clock was already ticking when Gabriel left heaven and came to visit with Joseph and with Mary. What a wonderful plan it is. But an application we have for this is when God reveals to us a plan, when we begin to sense the Holy Spirit's work in us and through the scriptures, we're drawn to something. Through the Holy Spirit, when we pray, we're just overwhelmed with something. There's a warming in our heart about a ministry, about an idea, a plan that God may have for us in this world that we understand what our purpose is. We begin to understand that God has a unique plan for us in some way. Understand that we are never the sole uh, actor in the plan of God. He always has other people that go before us and will come after us in the plan of the Lord. And so we need to be careful about how we treat people. We need to be careful about how we view people. We need to be careful about those people that God has also been led to be part of our lives in fulfilling the plan of God. John the Baptist was extremely important to the coming of Christ. Elizabeth was important. The family was important. Peter was important. And everybody that was part of the plan of God that would bring about Jesus coming in the world 
had a role to play, and they were important to the plan of God. And so verse 26, when it says, in the sixth month, I think it means to us, we need to let people help us. We need to let people in. It's God's way. It's his plan. We need to listen to the body of Christ. One of the ways that, that the Holy Spirit communicates to us is through the body of Christ. We need to be connected with the body of Christ. We need to be plugged in with the congregation. We need to be listening. We need to be active. We need to be participants because it's the way that God fulfills his mission in our life. And there was no question that was part of the situation in the sixth month was when the angel Gabriel came to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And then the next lesson is in verse 27, to a virgin betrothed, to a virgin engaged. She was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, and Joseph was of the house of David. David was born in Bethlehem. Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. It's the house of bread. And a virgin birth would happen. But she was engaged. Now think about the people you know who are engaged today. They always talk about the plans they're having, right? Think about when you were engaged. You talked about the plan of the wedding. You talked about, they talked about where they're going to live. They talked about how the wedding's going to be. They talked about how the, the, the celebration is going to be. They had a plan. Uniquely, God had a plan as well. Mary has plans, but God has plans. And oftentimes in life, our plans that we have, they collide with the plans that God has. Often that happens, doesn't it? Fact is, when God moves in our life and he speaks to us and he gets us going in a direction and he begins in his own time to reveal his plan to us, it often contradicts with the plan that we have or at least we've got to fine-tune our plan. And the lesson for all of us is in that is this. She was engaged. She had plans. Now God comes along and reveals to her his plan through her to bless all the world and she has got to rearrange her plans. And the truth is, none of us can stay where we are and go with God. We're going to change. We may change places. We may change work. We may change activities. We certainly change time. We may change our mindset, of course, we will, as we conform to the image of Christ. And, and we begin to sense things differently. We begin to do things differently when we discover what his plan for our life is. I've discovered that in my life. I've discovered that I can have all the plans I want, but I sure need to go to the Lord first because he has a plan that is much better than my plan. It's always right and it's always best for me. It may be more difficult as it was with Mary, but Mary had plans. She was engaged. She loved old Joseph. I'm sure he was a good looking fella, you know, she just couldn't wait to raise a family with him and, and, and begin all those things that, that she would dream of, but her plans were right up against God's plans. So the lesson that Mary would give to us today is embrace his plan for you. Maybe different than your plans, but embrace his plans for you. Verse 28 and he came to her and said, 
Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Have you heard that before? Does that ring a bell for you? Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, if we were to skip ahead and look at verse 42, let's see if this rings a bell for you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, here in Texas, with us evangelical people, people that, that some think are Protestant, evangelical, this is our tribe, this is how we're growing up. When someone says to me, Hail Mary, you know what I think about? I think about Roger Staubach in 1975 throwing the Hail Mary to Drew Pearson and whipping those no good Vikings. That's what I think about. Many of you don't remember 1975. Many of you who are here weren't even alive in 1975. But let me say it was a big day. It was a beautiful day. But the Hail Mary, the Catholic Church looked at these two verses. These two verses that speak about Mary. They speak about her position. They speak about her spot in the kingdom, in the plan of God. Greetings, O favored one. That means grace is on you, Mary. O favored one, the Lord is with you. And then in verse 42, there's nobody quite like you, Mary. Verse 42 says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. In 1000 AD or so, the process began. These two verses were looked at. And these two verses began formulating what is known in the Catholic Church as the Hail Mary prayer. Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then in about the 1200s, Pope Ehrman, he came to and he says, let's add Jesus to that. And he did. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. That's what was added to that. And then it concludes with Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Now, in about the 1200s or so, with, with Pope uh, uh, Pisces IV, it was, in, it was established as something they would do. Now, the Catholic Church doesn't believe that Mary was divine, but they do believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary, which the Scripture doesn't have. But their idea of praying to Mary is this, that she'll put in a good word for you. And you need to talk with her because she's highly favored and the Lord is with her and blessed is the fruit of her womb. And after all, the mother of God has some influence. Now, we need to be clear about the idea we have of Mary. No, when they said, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray, he never mentioned Mary. Never. There's never a reference of praying to Mary anywhere in the Scripture. And so she is highly favored. The Lord is with her. 
She is a blessed woman among all women. She is someone for us to look up to, but not when it comes to pray. She is not in a position to put a good word in for us because he says here, pray for us sinners. And now at the hour of our death, good news for us about Mary. She was chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be the mom of the savior of the world. Praying for people after they've died, to me, is not understanding who Mary was. It's not appreciating who Mary was because salvation is through Jesus. Salvation is through having a personal relationship with him. And you prepare for your death long before death. And you believe in Jesus. And, and, and Mary is not in that position where when you have died, you then go to her and you say a good word to her. You pray the Hail Mary one time, three times, four times, 50 times, however many times it is. And that's going to somehow another impact your loved one, your loved one who is a sinner, your loved one that needs God's help, your loved one that needs a little help to go from where they are to where we would all want our loved ones to be. And so I bring that up today to tell you, Mary is to be highly valued and she is an example of our faith. She is a great example of our faith and perseverance. But we need to recognize that and we need to see what made her special and that was that God selected her and that she had the faith to trust God's plan. And that plan involves salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So to get ready for your death, to get ready for uh, your loved ones not seeing you on this side of eternity more, believe in the plan of God for your salvation. Believe in Jesus Christ. And then you don't need anybody to say a prayer for you at your funeral. It's already set. It's already in place. We have a relationship with Christ and we are born again. There's also a lesson that we can gather here from Mary. She is favored. She is blessed. She is graced. And she does experience the presence of the Lord. Highly favored. God doesn't treat us the way he should. God doesn't treat us when we're highly favored the way we deserve to be treated. God is faithful even when we're unfaithful. That's God. He is faithful even when we're unfaithful. That's his grace on us. Peter is an example of that grace. Andrew is an example of that grace. Doubting Thomas is an example of that grace. So rejoice that in Christ Jesus, we are favored and we have his presence. There is nowhere we can go that God is not there. And that's the lesson of Mary for us. The next thing we have in verse 29, she was greatly disturbed by these words. Greatly disturbed by these words. Reasonably so, I think. I reckon so. But she was greatly troubled with the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this be. Her first experience with an angel her first experience with the plan. I mean, 
She didn't grow up knowing that she was going to be the one. She didn't grow up with all that information. And an angel comes and startles her and shares some words that greatly troubled her. And she wanted more information, didn't she? That's what it says in verse 29. Now, the lesson that Mary gives us is this. When the words of the Lord come to us, often we're troubled. When the words of the Lord come to us, words like repent, words like confess. When the Holy Spirit makes us aware of our sin, we're troubled by that experience. Words like believe, words like pray, words like walk in the Holy Spirit, words that, that take us to understand that there needs to be a change, a transformation happen in us. And we're often troubled by the words, but the lesson for us is this. It didn't stop her. It caused her to question a little bit. It caused her to say, now, what does this mean? And that's a reasonable explanation or reasonable question that she gives at this point. She just wanted to know what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel goes on to answer it. We see there in verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. All right? And so she's still listening. She hadn't run. She hasn't walked away. She hasn't turned a deaf ear to the Lord at this point. The word of God is troubling her, but she's still in the hunt. She's still willing to listen to what he's got to say. And in verse 31, the angel says, you will be with child. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You will be with child. You know, in life, a lesson that Mary can teach us is this. Sometimes we sign up. Sometimes we sign up. Sometimes the appearance is that we sign up. Sometimes we hear his word, we believe his word, and we obey his word. Sometimes we sign up, but there are times we are drafted. Have you found that out? She was drafted. I mean, this is like the treasure in the field. There are surprise finders and there's serious seekers. The guy looked for the pearl of great price all around, looked for it, searched it, effort was made. But the guy that was just out there working the field that plow hits a box and digs that box up, he was a surprise finder. Sometimes we sign up, we are searching, we are making effort to discover Christ, truth, purpose, better life than this. We have a hurt that we want some answers to. We have a hurt that we want to be taken care of. We call it a void in our life, and, and we find it in Jesus. Sometimes we sign up, but just like the surprise finder in the parable of the kingdom, we're drafted. She was drafted. Sometimes it feels like both is taking place. Sometimes... It feels like we're ready, and sometimes it feels like we're not ready, and sometimes we feel ready and unready simultaneously when the Lord comes and speaks to us. But a great lesson for us is this. 
Sometimes we sign up and sometimes we're drafted. And Mary did not walk away from the nudging, from the shoving, from the reminding of what he wanted in her life. There are some things in your life that the Lord's been saying to you. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. Every time you read his scripture, it just wears you out. Today, you have heard something that may not even have anything to do with what I'm talking about today. It is unrelated, but I've said something today and the Holy Spirit reminded you of what he's been communicating to you. And he's been, he's been talking to you for a long time. And it's something that unsettles you. It's something that unnerves you. It's something that requires more faith than you have in your mind, more faith than you think you have, which is not true because he's going to give you all you need to do what he wants you to do. But understand, the lesson of Mary is this. When God comes to you and speaks into your life, and it's something that you're not prepared for, something that you can't see yourself, just take time and ask the Lord to show you. That's what Mary does at this point in the communication with Gabriel. My questions are this, Lord, what do you want from me? Lord, how do you want it? Lord, are you telling me this? Lord, are, are you speaking to me that this is what I need to do? This is how I need to do it? Help me understand, Lord. Lord, I, I can't get away from this idea. It requires faith. It goes along with your word. I hear other people in the body of believers talk about it. Lord, is that what I need to hear? And find out what he wants. You know, don't be surprised that the Lord's not communicating to you. Isn't that interesting how that happens? I can't believe the Lord spoke to me about this matter. No, 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 wait a minute. You can't believe the Lord spoke to you? He is in the speaking business with you. He's always communicating to us. His spirit is always drawing us close to him. He has a plan for us, and he's always. One, the, the, the phrase that helps me the most is, is there something I just can't get away from? Is there something I can't ignore anymore? Is there something that, that God just, just keeps on putting before me? An idea, an understanding, an awareness of God's activity around me. Mary, you will be with child. So the question that we should answer from Mary's response is, are we willing to do what the Lord wants? What a wonderful thought, wonderful question for Christmas. Yes, we have the story of Jesus. Yes, we have nothing's impossible with God. We've got all that. Are you willing to do what the Lord wants of you? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to say, Lord, what do you want from me? And then in verse 38, well, let's read through it till we get there so we can get the whole story again. Verse 32, he will be great, that's Jesus. He will be called the son of the most high, that's Jesus. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, that is Jesus. He is the Lord of all and king of all kings. And when we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? We're saying, King Jesus, what do you want me to do? 
What do you want me to be? King Jesus, how do I act? How do I behave? How do I treat other people? What do you want from me? How faithful, what, how do I exhibit my faith? He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Jesus reigns over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, of Jesus' kingdom, there will be no end. So you're signing up to follow king of all, King Jesus. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, that's an interesting word. Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Verse 37. We need to sure have this verse imprinted in our spirit, in our heart. For nothing will be impossible with God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, the Shema, they say among the Hebrews today. Moses said, you are to love the God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You are to tell your kids about it when they get up. You are to tell your kids about it when they have lunch. You are to tell the kids about it when they go to bed at night. When your kids wake up in the morning, when they eat lunch in the day, midday, when they go to bed at night, you are to say to your children over and over and over and over, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love God with all that you have. And he goes on to say, you need to write it on your hearts. Put it on your doorpost. And, and if, you, if you were to go to a Hebrew's house, a Jewish house, you might see the little reminder of loving God. It's there on their door mantle, door frame. You touch it. Reminder. Write it in, in, in those boxes. They put that box, they put it on here. And, and then scribble, they write the Shema out. And then they'll put it on their heads and they'll wrap themselves around and they'll pray. Remind yourself to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Now, we're not instructed to imprint that in any way like that, but, but certainly it was, it, it'd be a life changer. It'd be a life rearranger. It'd be, a, it'd be an attitude, a gesture. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. God requires you to give more than you've ever given before. Nothing is impossible with God. God requires you to serve. God requires you to teach seventh graders the scripture. Nothing is impossible with God. God may be calling you to change diapers in the nursery. Nothing is impossible with God. Whatever he's calling to. He may be calling you to witness to your neighbors. He may be calling you to witness to your friends at work. He may be calling, he is calling you to make a difference in your world. Nothing is impossible with God. Don't waste any hurts. Don't waste any pains. Nothing is impossible with God. Let it be as the Lord said. Now, verse 38, we'll conclude with verse 38. And Mary said, behold. Now, behold means look. But in this particular tense, I love this. Behold actually means, watch this. Watch this. That's a good redneck term, isn't it? Watch this. 
You know, you want to go to the emergency room. What do people who go to the emergency room just got through saying, hey, y'all watch this, right? Watch this, watch this. And Mary said, watch this, observe this, study this, take a look at this, watch this. I am a servant of the Lord. She didn't, she didn't question long. She didn't retreat. She didn't resist what the angel was telling her. That's an amazing thing to me. That speaks volumes about her faith. That speaks volumes about her heart, her conviction of the Lord. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. That's all the information we need to really have about Mary. Why did she go forward? Why did she embrace the plan of God? Because I am a servant of the Lord. I serve at his pleasure. I do what the Lord wants me to do, however it seems. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how misunderstood it is, can you just imagine how misunderstood those early days were for Mary and Joseph? You're going to have a kid? You're going to have a kid? You're going to have a kid? I think back to my experience being engaged to Susan. By the way, uh, we've been married 41 years today. Is that right? 42. 41. There you go. That, that'll help me a little bit down the road here. Hallelujah. When, when we got married, it was real quick. It was really misunderstood. We started dating around August. And we were married in December. You ought not to do that, young people. Let me tell you, you ought not to do that. But her dad had leukemia, and he went to the doctor's office, and he had come out of remission, and we had planned to get married in the summer, we thought. I mean, I, I went out with Susan two or three times, and I, I, was, I was done. It was good. And boy, she was, she was smitten with me. She was smitten. Thank you, Bill. Very good. And so when he went to the doctor and he said, hey, man, my daughter's getting married this summer and I really want to walk her down the aisle. And he looked at her and said, Bob, if you're alive this summer, you can't walk her down the aisle. I doubt very seriously you'll be able to walk. You probably won't be able to travel to Texas for the wedding. So Susan came to me and said, look, we were planning on getting married in July. Why don't we just get married at Christmas? And I thought about it, and I went, why not? Why not? Sure. Let's go for it. And honestly, it's a joke, but I got, I got my Texaco bill that day, and I said, well, I sure can't afford these dates we're having, driving all the way to Valera, Texas, and back, Tampa, Texas, and back home. So it'll save me money to get married. It did not. It did not. It did not save you money. So we started telling our friends. We booked a church, and guess what people were saying? We had to get married. And I caught wind of it. Susan caught wind of it, and, and she said, well, do we need to tell people? I said, nah, here's what we do is uh, we just can't have a kid for nine months after that wedding, and we'll be fine. 
it's not going to do any good for us to go out there and say, hey, we're, we're being good. We're being faithful. I promise you we're, yeah, but we said, just march on. Let's get married. And they have a good surprise to them in a year or so. And sure enough, 18 months later, after our wedding, that knucklehead son of mine was born. You know Mary went through it. You know Mary, you know they talked about her. You know they talked about Joseph. Because that's human nature. That's what we do. It didn't stop her. And, and a great lesson for us is this. You're going to have to be his servant regardless of what people say. You're going to have to be his servant regardless of, of, of people's attitudes, opinions, we are to serve Jesus even when it's hard and difficult because, look, serving Jesus, being a servant of God, like Mary says, was not an easy path for her. It was not an easy life. She saw her son crucified on the cross. But that heart that she had here, she accepted the assignment. She did what she was supposed to do. And she lived this life. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Nothing is impossible with God. Hearing, believing, obeying. Hearing, believing, and obeying. Father, we pray that we'll learn from the life of Mary that, Lord, that we will be responsive and we will be your servant, Lord. May your spirit speak to us clearly and help us to be faithful in our response. And, Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to focus on Jesus this Christmas. Nothing else, just Jesus. Enjoy our family because of Jesus. Enjoy our gift receiving and giving because of Jesus. And, Lord, just... Help each one of us to have that, that heart, that mindset. I am a servant of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.